You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. This is season three. Season three, but we've only just started season two. Correct. And for anyone listening along as we publish these episodes, we are logically following episode one of season two with episode one of season three. Two seasons back to back. Which sounds an awful lot like Scottish weather to me. Of course, if you're listening to this at any point in the future, then you might have heard all of season two already. So you already know the future episodes, which we haven't recorded yet. So welcome back to the past. I'm Simon Glazier, Chartered Financial Planner and host of this here Where Your Treasure Is podcast. And I'm Bex Elder, non-financial expert and co-host. This season, we're looking at practical financial planning. We introduced the foundations of faithful finance in season one and covered, are covering or will cover, the eight key life stages in season two. And so now we're moving on to some of the more practical aspects of faithful finance. And today's episode is all about goals. So we're talking about football today? No, Bex, we are not talking about football. We're talking about goals, life goals, plans, objectives, hopes and dreams for the future. But this is supposed to be about practical financial planning. How can dreams possibly be practical? I mean, apart from the ones God gives us. And... In that kind of offhand comment, Bex, you have pretty much hit the nail on the head. When most people think about practical financial planning, if they do at all, I admit most people probably don't, they might think about topics like savings and investment and pensions or tax, stocks and shares, interest rates, even inflation, stuff like that. And we will talk about many of those things over the coming season. But you can't start with those things. You have to start with dreams and visions, plans and goals and hopes for the future. Okay, Simon, you're going to need to explain this a little bit more because it's not making sense to me. Okay. To help you understand, Bex, let's do a bit of role play. I want you to imagine that you work in a hardware shop, a DIY shop, okay? Got it. I shall be the customer and you will be on customer service duty today. And I'm going to give you a bit of a script. And apart from the opening welcoming line, all you have to say is, why? Okay with that? Wonderful. I will channel my inner (laughs) seven-year-old. Take it away. Here we go. I walk into the shop. Welcome to Bex's DIY shop. Uh, Hello, Bex. Um, Can you show me where the hammers are, please? Why? Uh, Because I want to buy a hammer. Why? Uh, Because I want to hammer a nail into a wall. Why? Uh, Because I want to hang a picture up. Why? Well, because when I sit down in the evening, in my nice comfy chair, perhaps with a glass of wine and a good book, I want to be able to look up from time to time and see the picture on the wall and, you know, recall some happy memories it reminds me of. Why? (laughs) Too many whys there, Bex. Do you get the point? Very few people go shopping for a hammer because they actually really, really want a hammer. A hammer is a tool. 
that you use to do something else, to achieve something else. And that something else is usually to bring convenience or happiness or pleasure to your life in some way. And you've been telling us time after time that money, just like a hammer, is a tool. We shouldn't seek money just for money's sake, but because it's a tool we can use. So I guess today we're talking about what money's used for. Precisely. And I am glad you've been listening as I've been talking. When someone new walks into my office as a financial planner, they often come with an idea of what they want. And they say things like this, I need help with my pension, or I want to invest some money, I'd like to pay less tax, or for the very technical, can you help me understand how crystallization of pension benefits before age 75 impacts my exposure to the lifetime allowance tax charge on the excess fund value? Is that really what people are asking? Yeah, but not so succinctly. However, my follow-up question, in short, is almost always, why? Why do you need to invest money? Why do you want a pension? Why do you want to pay less tax? Especially from a biblical perspective that the Bible generally advocates the payment of tax. In fact, why is often a brilliant question to ask almost anybody. Why helps you dig deeper and deeper into people's motivations to find out their real, true objectives, dreams, hopes and goals? So last week, which was season two, episode one, you talked a bit about this when you explained why we should make sure our ladder is leaning against the right wall. Hmm. You pointed out that we should ensure our goals are in alignment with God's purposes and his will for our lives. So what else do we need to know to make sure our goals are appropriate? Okay, so this episode, I want to focus on how you understand your goals. Last time I gave this example, which was showing love to your spouse or love to your children. And these are useful examples because they're often kind of lifelong objectives. You'll always want to show love to your family. But rarely will you set yourself the goal of doing this. It's just something that's kind of always in the back of your mind. So let's try and create a practical financial planning goal that is linked to that overall love your family objective. So I might think to myself, hmm, Simon, uh, maybe my family will feel loved if I spend quality time with them. Now, sometimes I forget this and I don't spend quality time with them. I need to therefore make it a priority. Ah, well, I could prioritize my time by ensuring I don't work late or not working in the evenings or not working at weekends. In fact, I could prioritize them by putting a time in my diary, which says my wife's name or my children's name. I could make sure that we definitely go away on holiday together frequently in, in in the course of life. But you know, I know and you know that holidays cost money. So perhaps I could save up some money every month so that we can afford to go on holiday at some point in the future. Now, maybe a holiday is going to cost £1,000 for me and my family, but I haven't got £1,000 kicking around just now. I might have £100 left over in my budget every month. So I might set myself a goal to set aside £100 every month into a holiday pot so that we can afford to go on holiday and I can spend time with my family and they will feel more loved. 
So you've taken that big, abstract, almost fluffy goal to love your family and put it into a practical short-term goal to save £100 a month. Yeah, and that's really powerful for a number of reasons. So the saving of money isn't just because, hey, it's a good idea to save money, but because it helps me to achieve my goal of showing them love. Now, if I'm then tempted to dip into that pot of money, maybe to buy a new pair of shoes or to go out for a meal, I will now be slightly more inclined to remember that the purpose of this money is for a holiday, which means time with the family, which means showing them I love them. And I'll protect it for that reason. And then when the time comes to actually go on that holiday, I will have saved it up and I won't need to borrow money to pay for it or use money that I've allocated towards other goals. I will achieve that goal more easily. So in short, you've given every pound a purpose and you've been deliberate in what you do with your money. Would you actually put that £100 somewhere separate from your other money? How practical can we get with this? So you can actually get very practical. You can be very organized. And that really depends on what kind of person you are. So some people, and this is even in today's progressively cash-free society, for them, the best way to set aside money like this is actually to use a jam jar or an envelope. You set your financial goals, and then each week or each month, depending on how often you get paid, you put money into that jar labeled holiday money, or you put money into the envelope labeled new shoes, whatever it is that you're saving for. Now, for other people, a banking app which lets you ring fence money is a more suitable solution for them. It's the same principle. Your money is kept safe and in the bank, so you can't dip into it quite so easily, maybe, but it's also being set aside for those goals of yours. And you can have multiple pots set up in your bank, which you can see on your banking app with different names. And then I know some people will like to use maybe a spreadsheet or some kind of budgeting app to allocate money. You might end up with £500 in your bank account, but you know, according to your spreadsheet and your app, that £300 of it is for next year's holiday, £150 of it is in your Christmas presents and birthday presents kind of pot, and £50 is to buy clothes. And then when it's time to spend that money, you're going out to the shops to buy some clothes, you can either go with the cash from the envelope, or you can go with your bank card, debit or credit card, as suits you best. But once you've spent some money, you go back to your spreadsheet, back to your app, and you deduct it from the total. So you know that money's now gone. It has been spent. This all sounds a little bit too simplistic. Does it actually work? Well, it's kind of tried and tested. It's the principle on which most companies kind of operate their finances. Whether they're a small one-man band or a multinational corporation, they allocate money from income into a budget. And the budget item might say product development, or it might say marketing. There'll be thousands of different categories. And then as they spend money in that budget category, they know they have less money to spend in that category in the future. And from time to time, they might move money between categories as they best see fit. It's a process that works. And it can be as simple or as complex as you like. So can all objectives be reduced to a financial goal like this? 
Probably not. Um, and in fact, you might never actually need to establish a financial goal at all. Take my example. There are other ways that I can show love to my family. Not all of them require me to save £100 per month into a holiday fund. I could read my kids a story at bedtime. I could ring my mums, I've got two of them, more regularly for a chat. Uh, note to self, ring mums more often. Um, I could arrange a babysitter and take my wife out on a date. I could help the kids with their chores. I could just tell them that I love them more often. The list is pretty much endless. Some of them might include a financial element. And the aim here is not to reduce every life objective to a financial goal, but it is to ensure that every financial goal is linked to a life objective. Okay. Can you give us an example of what you mean by that? Okay. So let's take the relatively common goal of, I want to pay less tax. Most people would like, if they could, to pay less tax and keep more of their own money. Well, why do you want to pay less tax? Because I want my money to be my money and not give it to the tax man. Why? Well, I want to choose how I spend my money on the things that I think are important. Like what? Perhaps from time to time, like on a new car. Well, why a new car? Well, actually, because our old car keeps breaking down and it stresses us out totally when we've got a long journey to go on and maybe it's on holiday and we worry that the car might break down and we don't get to enjoy our holiday or get to the place we're trying to get to. So, you want to pay less tax because you want your holidays to be less stressful. Now, not everyone can make that journey from I want to pay less tax to because I want our holidays to be less stressful. Some stop at just because it's my money and I want to keep it. And I would argue that's not quite far enough down the question. Why? That's reminding me of one of the things that the Bible says about money and which you covered in one of our first ever episodes of Where Your Treasure Is. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You explained how we are merely stewards of what God has given us and that includes our money. How does that change when we decide on these kind of money goals? So a great place to start is to ask the question, what does God want me to do with this money? Not necessarily my money, but this money that I'm stewarding. I mean, we can start with a bigger question. What does God want me to do with my life? That, that's probably a bit too big for today's podcast. But with those thoughts in mind, the answer might be, he wants me to buy some food so that I can eat and stay alive. Seems pretty basic. He wants me to pay the electricity bill so that we don't get cut off and then can't heat the house or cook any food. He wants me to pay the rent so I don't lose my house. He wants me to make a loan payment so that I don't get into trouble with debt. So those are things that God might actually say, yeah, do those things with your money. Those are good things to do. He probably won't be saying things like this. Oh, he wants me to gamble with this money. Or he wants me to lie on my tax return so I haven't got to pay as much tax. He wants me to spend it all on myself. Honestly, Bex, it's not quite the thing that God usually says. Or he wants me to buy a bigger and faster car so I can show off to my friends. God sees what we do with 
our money, the money he has entrusted to us. Money is that tool, but it's a tool that effectively God uses to test us. Can we be faithful in our handling of money? Can we be generous? Can we be honest? Can we put others' needs before our own? Can we somehow manage to balance the many, many demands on our money with our relationships with him and with other people? It's really not easy, is it? We've spoken before about how money can cause so much stress at times. When we don't have enough of it, what do we do? Or how can we choose to use it when we have more than what we need? So when money is short, the very first step I would encourage is to revisit the budget or just to get a budget up and running. What can be reduced? What can be cut out altogether? Prioritizing those things that should be prioritized. And if you're still short in that circumstance, then it's time to consider getting professional help from one of the many financial charities out there. Often money issues like this, they come from past decisions that we can't undo, but we do need to learn from them to avoid making them again in the future. Now, when there's plenty of money, and that might mean more than enough to pay the bills, to provide for the family, even to provide for our own future, That's where we need to have a serious think about what we do with the excess. What does God want us to do with the money now? Now, remember, there's only two things that you can fundamentally ever do with money. You can either spend it or you can give it away. Now, some would argue, what about saving? What about investing? What about pensions? Well, whenever you do any of those things, all you're doing is putting your money aside and hoping that it grows Until one day in the future, you're going to spend it or give it away. And ultimately, you're going to be giving everything away when you die. And it's not a case of she who dies with the most money wins. But she who dies having used her money most wisely wins, in God's eyes at least. I found all of that really helpful. I wondered if you could spend a little time before we finish suggesting some ways in which we can tie this topic of goals to the rest of our season on practical financial planning. How do these kind of goals tie in with those topics you mentioned, such as saving, investing, pensions and tax? So in the same way that money is a tool, each of those things that you have just mentioned is also a tool associated with money. And the tool needs to be understood and then used wisely. So, for example, you might say, I'm going to save my money in the bank so that if we have a financial emergency, we don't have to go into debt. That's how you're going to use the bank account. Or I will take out some life assurance so that if I die unexpectedly, and especially when my children are young, my family will still be financially secure. The life assurance is the tool that provides security to the family. I will save money into a pension because I know that one day I won't be able to work anymore. And I don't want to have to depend on the state or my family or even the church to support me, though I know that they would. I would prefer to be someone who can support others than need to be supported. I'm going to invest my money so that I can help my children when they grow up or that I can continue to give generously to the church even when I don't have an income anymore. 
and I'm going to use tax-efficient investment products that are available to me and, and, and most other investors in the future so that I will have a smaller tax bill every year. And that will allow me to keep more of my own money, which allows me to be more generous and to show love to family, to friends more readily. So investing isn't just about making more money. Pensions aren't just so that you can retire or retire early. Saving tax isn't just to spite the tax man. Each of these steps is there to help you fulfill the goals, the dreams and the ambitions that God has placed within you. They are tools to be used. And so you have to make sure you use them for the right purpose. In fact, dare I say it, for a righteous purpose, to try and live, as best we can, a righteous life. Thanks so much for all of that, Simon. Lots to ponder on as we progress through the rest of season three and practical financial planning. So where are we heading in episode two? Episode two is all about my favourite topic, pensions. Pensions! Pensions, yes! Now, whilst this is actually one of the most complicated topics we will cover, and it's one we'll come back to time and time again in the future, it's also one of the first big financial issues that people will face. And it's one that is vitally important to everyone. And I'll explain more next time how we're going to try and help people understand enough about pensions to make a really good start with them. I will definitely be coming back to hear more about that. But that's all for this week. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you'll tune in next time for one of Simon's favorite topics. And if today's podcast topic has triggered any questions, please feel free to email us on whereyourtreasureis at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or get in touch via our Instagram at whereyourtreasureispodcast. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.